Come on. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right. Melanie, are you ready? I am. Excellent. I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Money Savage Engage. This is George Grumbacher. Melanie Parrish is a speaker, a consultant, a master certified coach, the author of The Experimental Leader, Be a New Kind of Boss to Cultivate an Organization of Innovators. I'm excited to have you on. Melanie, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. Thanks for having me, George. I'm really excited to be here. I'm an executive coach. I've been an executive coach for over 20 years. So I work with people who are leaders in organizations everywhere from startups to the Fortune 50. And I do what I do because I want people to love the work that they do. I want them to be happy at work. I want them to feel successful at work. And I want them to feel like they have the tools that they need in order to succeed. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious. 20 years is, is, is a good amount of time to be doing anything, certainly uh, working to help people lead happier lives. And do you find that with all these new tools that, that we have, these new ways to communicate, has that made it harder or easier? Mm, I think that's a really interesting question. I think sometimes it makes it harder, makes it faster. Mm. Um, it ups the level. And sometimes it makes it easier. Yeah. Uh, it's easier to feel connected digitally. It's easier to get a message across. You don't have to plan it six months ahead and do it in four-color print. <laughs> Um, so I, I think it's both. I think, I think they're tools and with all tools, you can use tools well, or the tools can get in the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, I'm always looking for, for binary answers, but, but not really. It's like a yes or a no, <laughs> but it's always, it's, it's certainly always, always that it depends. And I imagine, you know, you talk about working for fortune 50 companies versus, uh, smaller organizations and everything's going to be uh, all the all the companies are going to be different the people are going to be different and it's a matter of I suppose well I, I guess instead of me just guessing or, 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 or telling you the the way that it is how how do you start with 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 an executive is it tell me what's 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 going right is it tell me what's going wrong well I think I think a lot of times I I'm referred to someone because they're in pain. Mm. And usually it's because someone's been a really successful uh, individual contributor. 
they've been doing a great job at their job and someone thinks to themselves, wow, they're really good. We should promote them. Hmm. And I get them because they've become leaders without a roadmap and they, they doubt themselves. There's imposter syndrome. They really don't know what they're doing and they don't know how to figure it out. And so I often get people kind of early in their leadership careers, at least Recently, that's been a pretty clear path for me, that people are trying to figure out leadership, and leadership's really lonely business. Um, I, I talk a lot about the loneliness of leadership. I'm I'm working on an online course called Overcoming the Loneliness of Leadership, and I think that one of the things that being a coach, you know, having a coach that coaching relationship can do is to help mitigate that loneliness. Got it. Oh, I certainly appreciate that. And that's, it's such an interesting thing that we probably have all dealt with this, this, this imposter syndrome. I've, I've done such a great job doing my job. And then somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, Hey, now it's your job to lead all these other people. Uh, do you think that that's something that, 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 that everybody feels? I can say I've never met anyone. I've never met anyone who doesn't feel it sometimes. Hmm. Not all of us feel it all the time, but usually if we're growing, usually if we're outside our comfort zone, because we're trying to do something that's just a little like we're, we're pushing the boundaries of our lives a little bit. That's when it pops up. So it's, it's interesting if you're, if you're excelling, you're probably going to feel it more than someone who's not excelling. So if I go to the same job every day and I do exactly the same thing every day and I know it, I'm an expert in my field, I'm not going to feel a lot of imposter syndrome. But if I think to myself, I'd like to, I'd like to take up a little more space in the world. I'd like to expand my message. I'd like to have a, a little more influence than I have currently then that imposter syndrome is going to get, it's going to rear its its head. And it'd be weird, I guess, if 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 it didn't, right? <laughs> it'd be like, nope. It would be totally this is, this weird. Is, this yeah. is a brand new thing. I don't know anything about it, but I totally got it. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. That's exactly right. And and so it's something that we can welcome because. We know that it means we're stretching. So sometimes I, I, I talk to people and they tell me they're scared. Mm -hmm. And, and that fear is a sign that we're doing something that's worthy. Um, if it's, if it's in the right area, if we're trying to grow and we feel scared, that means we're pushing, pushing the envelope just enough. Um, it, I was shocked. I mean, I have to say I was shocked when I first started coaching, I was, 30 years old. And I was so surprised that every single person I talked to had imposter syndrome. It was like the lights went on. I was like, Oh, I thought it was just me. And so many people feel like that, that all those people that are successful out there are doing it without imposter syndrome. And, and the big secret is that's, that's just not the case. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that is so common, uh, which, you know, and, and when I, 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 
I imagine that that when somebody opens up and says, yes, I, I do feel like I'm suffering from that, do they take comfort in knowing that others are going through it, or is that not comforting? I don't know the answer to that. I feel comforted that yeah. other people are going through it. It right. helps me get through it. I always feel like when people tell me I'm feeling some imposter syndrome, they're they feel like they're telling me the biggest secret of their whole lives. Yeah. Like in that moment when they tell me that, <laughs> they're telling me their biggest secret. And for me, every client tells me the same secret. I think that that's really interesting. Yeah, that, that, that's so funny. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they probably get a little bit more quiet and they say, you know, Melanie, I feel like I feel like I'm kind of a fraud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if people find out I don't yeah. know what I'm doing? Like, oh my because God. this is like such a thing. And so this is this is why I wrote the book that I wrote. That that imposter syndrome, um people don't know what they what they don't know and, and they get thrust into a position of leadership. And so everyone looks around to see who they can emulate. And, and we do this without any evidence or without any real thought. We look in, and usually we're very drawn to the quintessential dad leader, the all-knowing guy who knows everything and tells everyone what to do. Mm-hmm. This is the first person we emulate in our, in our lives. And we never question whether his leadership was effective. Um, we, just, we just start to behave this way. And one of the reasons I wrote my book is there's a whole lot of reactive leadership styles that people try. Um, they try that. They try being a democratic leader. They try all these things. And and we see a million articles out there. In fact, I write some of the articles out there about be a better leader in five steps and all these things. And um, the reason I wrote the book, The Experimental Leader, is I wanted people to realize what the goal is. And, and I believe in leadership, the goal is to try to engage as many people as possible in thinking about the problems that the organization is facing in terms of innovation. And the way that you do that is by opening up communication lines in helping people see the things they try as experiments so that people don't live and die by their ideas. And it's a really different way to think about leadership. It's it's a model of leadership that becomes more evidence-based than just telling people what to do. I have to imagine that in order to in order to have somebody grab a hold of that they need to be pretty self-assured. Confident. Um or or yeah, or th- or, or you can tell me that I'm wrong. That's, <laughs> like no, that's <laughs> oh, not no, right. I was, just, I was <laughs> just thinking about what you said. It's like I think that by having one of the things that I that I give in the book is kind of a prescriptive way to help people experiment. And I think you need some structures. You need to be able to ground in some foundations. And so you become more self-assured when you have something to ground to. We have ways that we behave as leaders and we repeat those behaviors over and over. And so having having a, a scale of practice, so to speak, for leadership, a, a, a toolkit is what gives people self-confidence over time. And I hope that the experimental leader offers a toolkit. And I, I, I think that that is 
such a true thing that we have to be able to have a, a roadmap or a toolkit um, and then have an understanding of how to use those tools in order to effectively have a, a worthwhile and good and effective process. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Do 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 people grab a hold of that? I'm sure that there's some people that 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 reject structure. Um, how 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 is the implementation of this process gone? Um. Well, it's, it's interesting. I I find because I've I've shared the book with my clients early on to um, just to get some feedback. I mean, I've had readers along the way to try it out, and uh, and one thing I find is that people dive into it and they're really excited about it. And then, um, they have to go back to it. They read it slowly. It's not a, it's 130 pages. It's an airport read in theory, but it, it, it's meaty. So there's some uptake of ideas and then it takes some work to integrate a toolkit. Yeah. And, uh, and so I will, I will eventually launch a course that people can do over a six month period or a year period, where they can integrate the concepts slowly into their work and think about them more deeply. Because I do believe that, I mean, this is a large body of work. Yeah. It's work that I've been using for seven years. It took me seven years to write the book. Nice. Um, and, and I wanted it to be a meaty book. I, I see it as like a, you know, I want to see them tattered and margins scribbled in yeah. um, as people use them in the world, because I think we don't have enough tools and I don't, I think that we think of leadership as really simple. Let me just give you one idea and it's it's going to be better. But I, I think we have to really dig in as leaders and it's it's worthy work. We can do it for a long period of time, but we have to dig in and we have to keep our own attention focused on it, uh, which is harder than it sounds. We We wander off a lot. So we need to continually pull ourselves back to thinking about our own leadership. Again, I, I find that a coaching relationship helps people do that. They, people, I feel like they slide into my office sometimes either virtually or in reality and they're frazzled and crazy. And then we, we sit and we stop and we contemplate leadership for an hour and it shifts everything because they walk out with feeling like they're more present to their own leadership. Which I'm sure is 100% true. And I think that everything you said is 100% spot on that it's not, well, I got this whole leadership thing figured out. It needs to be an ongoing process like anything else in life that you're interested in being good at. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I think that I think that everybody has had the experience of, of probably leaving a job at some point because of their boss or their manager. And we've all been frustrated by people that we work with and different. I mean, all these relationships within the within the workplace are, are, are can be so difficult unless we're working at it. And I also know that what people help to build, then they help to support it as well. So the more you can get input from everybody in the organization into problem solving and the stronger that that's going to make the relationships and the organization. So everything that you just laid out, I think makes all the sense in the world. No, thank you. And, and I work a lot like in tech startups, you know, they are the quintessential alchemists creating something new from nothing. Yeah. 
and they have to employ the brains of everyone. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't want to leave anything on the table because it's hard to create something from nothing. And so yeah, okay. It, it, it incredibly incredibly hard and ever changing. So yes, you do need to to, to keep everybody engaged. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a matter of having open feedback loops is I, you know, how, how does that actually work? Yeah. Well, if, if you, um, I'll go back to that dad leader, you know, I, I worked with a guy in an organization one time. Uh, he wasn't my client, but he was the boss of one of my clients and he used to call everybody into his office to find out who was to blame. <laughs> and then he would huh. yell at them. Yes. And, um, and so I really, I really believe that an organization gets the best, the leader gets the best information. The organization gets the best information. If we have ways of sifting through challenges or problems in a way that we can talk about them openly and the team can own the challenge and then the team can solve it together. I also, I also believe that open communication. So if you can feel free to walk up to somebody and ask a question, questions are a great way to give feedback, actually. Have you thought about adding another page to that marketing brochure that talks about this? Or have you learning how to give really good feedback in an organization that isn't unkind? You don't want to be in competition with somebody when you're giving them feedback. It helps everyone in the organization have better access to information. You get the eyes working with you. There was there was a time I started doing Zoom calls in my office. And I was actually doing Seth Godin's Alt MBA at the time, which I loved. And I had a group of people on my group call. And I walked around my office and I showed them all the places that I could do a Zoom call. And they were like, oh, you could do that, but you have to clean up that bookcase. You have to do this. Oh, wait, the light's wrong. Fix this. I got the best information (laughs) by having people just give me, you know, frightfully honest feedback. You wouldn't want to do it in that shirt, (laughs) you know, whatever it is. And, and you can see, and now to this day, I use the same backdrop. I ask myself the same questions. They ask me, how's the light? Oh, what's that garbage in the background? (laughs) You know, all those things. Because I had this experience of incredibly honest feedback. I love that. Frightfully honest feedback. That's... <laughs> Frightfully honest. I've never used that before, no, but I awesome. love it. Yeah. Yeah. Life is too short to uh, to uh, to dance around important issues like that. So I think that that's great. Well, Melanie, yeah. Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, my difference-making tip is to think about your own leadership and figure out how you get to neutral. So you have things that you think you should be doing. You have people in your head who have influenced you. But my tip is wake up today, think about how you just listen, watch, and question and take in information and see how it changes your leadership. Like that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. 
Melanie, thank, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they pick up the book? Sure. The book is on, um, it's on Barnes and Noble. It's on Amazon. It's on Indigo. Uh, it's available for pre-sale um, right now. And it's released on April 7th. And you can find me on melanieparish.com. If you sign up for my newsletters, you can get a great article on five things you can stop doing today to be a better leader tomorrow. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Melanie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to melanieparish.com. It's M-E-L-A-N-I-E-P-A-R-I-S-H.com. Check out all the great stuff that Melanie has on the page. Sign up for the email list and pre-order her book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and uh, Indigo. Thank you again, Melanie. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to be with you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.